Friends, I hope your week is off to a great start, and thank you so much for joining me today. In case you're new to the show, I'm Kelly Wilson, and I'm the owner of FitFizStudio.com. I'm a personal trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease fighter, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry since step aerobics was the hottest fitness trend. I've been asked a lot of questions over the years because there is just so much misinformation out there. So I don't blame people for wanting to know what's true and what's not. And it's always great to ask questions. Originally, I was going to wait a bit longer until I did a Q&A type of show. But recently, I was sorting through my personal inbox on Facebook, and it was pretty outrageous to see just how many times I've had friends send me messages with quite a few of the same recurring questions. And um, I actually have stopped checking my personal Facebook inbox for this year for the sake of my sanity. But by addressing those questions here, hopefully we can get some of the myths straight and you'll have a place to refer to some of the common questions. And then moving forward, we'll continue to dig a lot deeper on more specific health topics. Before we move on, the information shared here is for educational and informational purposes only. I am not a doctor. Therefore, to cover my own hiney, I have to tell you that none of the contents here should be interpreted as an intent to diagnose, treat, heal, cure, or prescribe. And if you have any serious health concerns, you should discuss those with your doctor. And now that that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. So another part of the reason that I decided to go ahead and do some commonly asked questions now is that I noticed they all have a common theme. So if you want to pay attention to see if you can figure out what that theme is, I'll let you know what it is at the very end. Top top question of all time that I've ever been asked is, how much water should I drink? Now, there are lots of reasons that people ask this questions because, again, so much misinformation out there, but there's not a concrete answer. And I know I know people tend to hate that, and I don't blame you because there's not just one simple solution, but here's why it varies for everybody. It's going to depend on all kinds of factors. It's going to depend on how much water you're getting from foods that you eat. So for example, watermelon is, I think it's about, I think they say it's about 70% water content, but it's a very hydrating type of fruit as other types of fruit are. So if you ate a half a pound of watermelon, you're getting some hydration from that. So if you were going to go buy the old eight cups of water a day, that could count as part of that. And we're learning more and more that it's important to take in the the water content that we get from foods. But again, that varies with how many dehydrating type of foods that you eat or junk food that's going to dehydrate you. Or it, you know, it also depends on how much fiber you're getting. It depends on the size of person that you are. It can depend on how much water intake you need, can depend on medications or supplements that you might be taking. Some medications are have a diuretic effect. Caffeine has a diuretic effect. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. You've probably also heard about things like the color of your urine should be the color of light lemonade. You know, if it's getting too dark, you might be too dehydrated. But again, there are medications and supplements that might 
darken it. So for me, with my autoimmune stuff, I take iodine, which darkens my urine color. So that can't always be a gauge. Another thing that you can kind of do as a loose gauge, again, this is very loose advice, something you can kind of go by is how often do you need to use the restroom to go number one, if you, a a loose gauge is about every two hours. If you haven't felt the need to pee in about five or six hours, you're probably dehydrated. So that's, that can be another gauge. Another thing, it's going to depend on how much you're working out or how intensely you're working out. Or if it's a summer day and you're just sweating, doing nothing, that's, you're losing water weight, you're losing hydration for the body that way. So all of those things go into effect. So how do you really know how much water? One starting point is you can take your body weight and divide that into and convert that into ounces. So for the sake of simplicity, let's take a 150 pound person, divide that in two, that's 75. So 75 ounces of water. Now to some of you, that might sound like a lot. To me, that sounds like not very much. I'm a a big water advocate. (laughs) Um, It's always good to stay hydrated. And um, for me, a gallon of water a day is not a big deal. Um, that's pretty normal for me, which is 128 ounces. And if I went by the half my body weight size, that's way more than that. But again, you got to take into account medications that might be dehydrating you. Like I said, I was going to come back to the whole caffeine idea. As a, and this is, again, loose gauge. So don't take this as concrete formulations because, <laughs> again, there's, each person has so many variables. But as a loose guide, if you were to go by the eight, eight cups of water a day, when, people, when we say eight cups or eight glasses, that's like, I think, eight ounces. So eight ounces, eight times, that's 64 ounces. So that's kind of close to the 75 ounces if you were a 150-pound person. Again, I'm just kind of rounding. But let's say you drink one, let's say you drink eight ounces of coffee. Coffee is a diuretic. So I would add another eight ounces of water onto that. So depending on how many diuretic type of drinks that you intake over the course of a day, you're going to have to increase your water intake to be properly hydrated. So if you were to add on another eight ounces, so take your starting point of take your body weight in pounds, divide that by two, that's a starting point for the number of ounces of water you could drink a day. From that number, Add on another eight ounces for every eight ounces of caffeinated beverages that you drink in a day. And add on another eight ounces for every 20 or 30 minutes that you're working out a day. Maybe not even, you don't don't even have to be sweating because if you're just breathing hard and not necessarily sweating, all that hard breathing, you've got perspiration or, you know, water molecules exiting through your breath and through through your nose and your breathing. So you are losing water weight just through intense breathing, even if you're not sweating during a workout. So that's something else to think about. But if you do hear, drink up to a gallon a day, that's really not anything insane. So what that comes down to, I have found, is that most of the time when people ask that question, they're probably not drinking enough. So any progress is good progress. So just drink more. If you're wondering if you're drinking enough water, you probably aren't. So just drink more. 
Okay, number two question of all time is how do I tone up my arms? Now, you know what I'm talking about, your triceps. The backs of the arms can get jiggly if you're not focusing on building muscle back there. So you might hear hear it called bingoing sometimes, (laughs) the little flaps. And um, I know, especially as women get older, it becomes harder and harder to hold on muscle and it's harder to build muscle. But um, what that is, the backside of your arm, that's your tricep, but the tricep area of the arm is about two thirds of that upper arm muscle area. And, you know, if you put your hand there and you can kind of feel that backside of your arm and kind of look at where your hand is grabbing, you can tell that's about two thirds. So it's a big muscle and it often gets neglected, unfortunately, just like a lot of muscles on the backside of our body that we don't always see, they do tend to get neglected unless we focus on it. So how can you fix that? train, (laughs) resistance training. And I'm not talking about just 10 dips on the side of the couch one time a week. That's not going to get you anywhere. It's got to be something that's intense enough and hard enough that you're going to really feel a challenge. And again, it has to be consistent in order to feel a difference. So anything that's more than what you're already doing to address that, that's progress. But if you can still eke, if you're doing, say, three sets of 15 tricep dips and you could still easily crank out another five, then you're not working hard enough. Don't let yourself stop until you're really kind of struggling on those last two or three repetitions. You should be feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can make it through the last couple. Then you know you're working hard enough. And you have to do it consistently. So like you've probably heard before, leave at least a day in between and have at it and you'll start to see changes. Here is another thing, um, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but I've heard things that go along the lines of this. I've been doing 100 crunches every night, but I feel like nothing's ever going to change. I'm never going to have a six pack. What am I doing wrong? Well, first of all, it's important to understand that if you have, okay, anywhere on your, anywhere on your body where you've got muscle, the muscle's going to be where it's at. And as the body develop, develops fat or deposits fat, the fat's going to be on top of the muscle. So, You can do 100 crunches a night or 1,000 crunches a night, but if there's a layer of fat over it, it's not going to change much. You're not going to see defined abdominal muscles or what we call a six-pack, which I think six-packs are highly overrated. It is not the definition of being fit or unfit, and I think people place way too much emphasis on it. You're going to get much more effective fat loss by doing other things. And it's great if doing 100 crunches a night is your favorite activity, that's great. Keep doing it. But it's also important to try to do other things too because just doing crunches is never going to change your body. And that also makes me think of one of my favorite things to say to people when they're And I think I made this quote up. If you've ever heard it anywhere else, someone please correct me. But I've been saying this for years, is that nobody ever got their dream body from a treadmill. Am I right? Am I right? (laughs) I think I'm right. Um, I've never heard anyone say they've got their dream body from a treadmill. And why is that? Because when we see people and we admire the way that their bodies are shaped or we're like, oh, I wish I could just look like that or "That's that's my goal right there. Chances are 
They spent time lifting weights or resistance training. Resistance training is just doing anything that's challenging your muscles. Because if you're running on the treadmill, that's challenging your heart, your heart muscle, your cardiovascular capacity, but it's not really going to do anything to change the shape of your body. It might, you know, as an overall idea, it might help you lose inches or centimeters or a little bit of circumference over time, but resistance training is going to be so much more effective. So all of these, again, are all topics that could go very deep. So if you feel strongly about any of them that you would love to hear a show on just one of these things in particular, feel free to find me on social media or email me and we can work that into the schedule. So moving on to another one, I'm going to kind of lump this one together, two questions. Are carbs bad? And is it true that I should stop eating by 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. because I heard so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. All right, both of these things. The first one, are carbs bad? The short answer is no. Your body needs carbs as energy. But just saying carbs, that's a super huge complicated topic in itself. It's unfair to lump all carbs as bad or good, but carbs give us fuel and there are different kinds of carbs and some are beneficial to eat at certain times and some might not be so beneficial to eat at other times. Some might work great for your body chemistry and some might not. That's also where some food sensitivities might come into play. So it all totally depends. It depends on what you're doing for activity. Try not to glom on to any just sweeping statements like carbs are bad or white rice is bad, brown rice is good. That's not true. And there are various reasons why that's not true. And it's important to not just glom onto a statement like that and just take that as concrete and that's the way it is, end of story, because that's not the end of the story. (laughs) There are lots and twists and turns around everything health and nutrition related. And even for me, you know, I've been absorbed in this stuff for a couple years now. I mean, throughout my fitness career, but way deeper than I ever have before the last couple years. And even with what I've learned, I still realize it's one of those things where the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. (laughs) So just Try to catch yourself from having thoughts like carbs are bad or I shouldn't eat after whatever time. And there's just, there's a different solution for everybody. Another common question I've been asked are like, what are the best shoes to run in or what are the best shoes to lift in? It's just going to depend on you. And I know, I understand why people are looking for statements like, boom, here's your answer. So you can feel this relief and know that you're on the right path, but it's so individual. Another thing that I've heard a lot is I really feel like I need to work out and I really like running, but I can't anymore because I have bad knees. So this is something that a friend of mine said to me a few months ago and he was walking past and I saw his knee buckle a little bit. You know, he told me, he's like, yeah, you know, I just can't run like I used to, but it's the same. And, you know, so, and this is again, a very complicated subject. Knees are complicated and knee injuries. If you ever had knee injury or surgery, that all complicates things. So I'm kind of talking about people who have not had specific knee injuries or surgeries, but if you don't train 
And I'm talking about like resistance training and to try to keep all those little muscles and ligaments and tendons around that complicated knee area. If you don't work to keep them strong, they're going to get weak. So if you are not exercising or if you haven't run in a long time or haven't strength trained in a long time, those are going to become weak. So it's not that you can't just can't run anymore, but maybe if you would if you would like to run and you want to get stronger and have more activity, you can work carefully so you don't get injured with a trainer or somebody who knows what they're doing to guide you through exercises that can strengthen those because I've seen countless people who came into the gym and they say, oh, I can't do squats. I have bad knees. But if they're trained properly, before you know it, they're squatting their body weight and more and no longer have knee pain. So it's totally possible. You just have to be smart about it. Another common question, should I take a multivitamin? I think most people could stand to take a multivitamin, but it really is important to try to get the most nutrients you can from real food, obviously. But a lot of people tend to steer away from vitamins because they can be hard on the stomach. So if you go to a lot of like big box stores and buy those big brands that you see commercials for, a lot of times those are going to be mineral-based, which are tend to be really hard on the stomach. So if you've ever experienced that and that stopped you, you could look for something that is vegan or plant-based and they're going to be a lot nicer to your digestive system, which makes them more readily absorbable and more u- usable by the body. So that's something to think about. So look for a plant-based multivitamin if you choose to take one. Before we run out of time, I have to remind you guys that you can still sign up for the totally free five-day Flush the Sugar Fiesta, and uh, you're going to get five days of emails, all with free coaching from me, and each one is going to have a downloadable PDF with small, actionable steps, alternatives to sugar, and why some sugars are going to cause cravings and others are not. And um, you're going to get a five-day meal guide with recipes for everything in the meal guide. You're going to get access to the Fit Fizz Raw Energy Facebook group where you can learn a whole lot more and share all of your victories and ask your questions. And you can sign up. The link is in the show notes, but you can sign up at bit.ly slash flush the sugar fiesta. And um, signing up only takes about 10 seconds. It's super quick and easy. And then just be on the lookout for your, in your inbox. And you can see that removing sugar is not an act of deprivation, but it's actually a way to increase your energy. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the content today. If you can spare a couple of minutes, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review for the show on iTunes. And until next week, be sure to celebrate victory. Celebrate victory.